it's good to be able to spend a day with you guys. Uh, I had an interesting phone call this morning. A guy, his name is uh, Sonam. He called me up, and it really got my mind thinking. Sonam was a guy that uh, almost 10 years ago, he was a uh, senior executive with Honda Motor Corporation in India and was over all of uh, the Honda operations for all of South India. He was a businessman, and he went to visit his uh, sister one day in a city, and we happened to be doing a crusade in that city, and so he came. He was just walking along, going from his sister's house, and he heard the message, and that night the speaker was speaking about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And he had, he'd never heard anything. He'd never heard of Jesus, much less baptism in the Holy Spirit. And that night, the preacher, as he's sitting there, the preacher said, right now I'm going to pray for you, and you're going to receive the Holy Spirit. And he's standing there watching, and as the man prayed, he said, I don't know what happened, but I was filled with the Spirit. <laughs> And he said, you know, for days I, I could only uh, speak in, a, in another language. I couldn't even speak in my own language anymore. He said for three days, he said, uh, my sister came to look for me that night. I was just sitting on the ground at the area where you guys were doing it. And she picked me up and took me home and locked me in a closet. She thought I'd lost my mind. So for three days, I spent in a closet. And she said, uh, during that time, he said, God spoke to me that, uh, that who he was and he wanted to change my life. And I decided I'm going to follow Jesus. So I got out of the closet and uh, started following Jesus. That's a good way to go. Get out of the closet and follow Jesus. So he starts following Jesus. He went back to work and he's following the Lord. He's enjoying life following the Lord. And one day he's on a flight. And on this flight, the man next to him notices he has a Bible. And the man next to him happened to be a friend of mine and, and says, hey, I see we have something in common. They start talking about the Lord, and he tells him how he came to the Lord, and he said, wow, I know the guy that was there that weekend. He said, I'll get you in contact with him. So he calls me up and said, this guy got saved in some of your meetings, and uh, he's really excited. He would love to meet with you. So I got on a plane and flew to the city where he was. Now, he was from a very wealthy family. They owned their own hotels, and, uh, and he was a businessman, you know, a, a very successful man. And I walked into his house, and that day when I walked into his house, I just felt very impressed. Before I said anything, I said, before I say anything to you, I said, can I read something from the Bible to you? And I opened up the Bible, and I read Isaiah 54. I've never done that. I've, I've never done that with anyone before. But I read Isaiah 54, and he stopped, and he looked at me, and tears started coming down his eyes. He said, the day the Lord saved me, he said, uh, I was sitting, and he spoke to me. And he said, when I'm ready for you to leave everything... I'll send a man to your house, and he will read Isaiah 54, and you'll know that's time to leave everything and follow me. So that's how I got started with Sonam. He left everything, left his job, and me and Sonam put on backpacks, and we started walking the mountains preaching the gospel together. Just a wonderful brother. Loves the Lord with all of his heart. In the last uh, 10 years, we've seen over 13 Buddhist monks now who have come to the Lord, given their hearts to the Lord, gone to Bible school, or serving the Lord. Uh, we have uh, churches in the areas all through that region. There had been not one known person come to the Lord in over a hundred years in that area. Now, literally, there's hundreds of people who have come to the Lord. But we faced a, a lot of opposition and a lot of, lot of struggles. And so he called me this morning. Just this morning, I got a phone call from him. And he said, uh, you know, we're just talking a little bit. And as we're talking, he says to me, he said, I said, well, how are things going? He said, oh, life is good. Everything's good. And I said, you have any problems? He said, well, last week, he said, some men broke into my house from the Buddhist Association while we were having a prayer meeting. And he threatened everybody there that if we didn't stop doing this, they're going to burn us all alive. But, you know, stuff happens. Don't worry about it. And he just moved. I mean, it was as if he had a flat tire coming to church. I mean, you know, he talked about it in that same tone. You know, oh, just a little bump in the road, you know, fix it. Oh, it's okay we're moving on with life and that's how they live life 
You know, when I first went to Laos, I was interested because uh, in Laos, it's illegal to follow Christ. And uh, everybody I know that has followed Christ has spent uh, large periods of time in police stations having to answer questions. And so uh, since we couldn't do Bible school, we decided to move some guys in with us so we could just train them every morning. We get up early in the morning. I've got always got four, five, six guys living with me, and we get up early in the morning while the rest of the village is asleep, and we do our Bible study, and we pray and worship together. Then they go out and go to work. I go do my job, come back in the evening. We pray together. And God's been doing some great things in our town. We've got now, uh, we've crossed just in the last two and a half years, over 100 people have now taken baptism. We, we crossed the 100 mark uh, in May of people who had taken baptism in our town. God's just doing some wonderful things. But what's really amazing is these guys that just have a heart for God. One of these young guys, his father, he went back and he lives with us. And then on Fridays, he goes home to his village to share with his family. His father made a decision that he's going to follow the Lord now. And his father, though, only had, you know, has never been to school in his life, can barely read and write. But just a hunger. He wants to do something for God. So we decided to start trying to disciple him some. So I teach uh, my friend every week. And he goes back and teaches him. Some weeks he come and we talk together. And one day we were talking about healing, that God still heals people. Now, I tell you that, and you say, wow, that's an interesting fact. He hears it, and he says, well, I'm going to go heal somebody. You know, that's, you know, if he does it, I'm going to go do it. I mean, that's, that's what we're supposed to do, right? So, so he goes back. The next week, he goes to a village, and he starts sharing with people in this village, and a lady is sitting in the front blind, and he said, I got so excited when I saw her. There's this blind lady. She's been blind 30 years. So he said, I just announced to the crowd, he said, I'm going to prove to you Jesus is real. I'm going to pray for this lady, and God's going to heal her right now. And so he goes over to him, prays for her, and lo and behold, her eyes are open. After 30 years of being blind, she can see. God healed her, and the whole village made a decision to follow the Lord. The next village over heard about this happening, and so they called him a week later and said, would you come to our village? He goes, and they bring him to a man that had a growth, uh, a debilitating, it caused debilitating headaches. It was like a tumor that he had, and for four years he could not move. He couldn't hardly talk anymore, and so he's excited. He just goes over to him, and he prays for him, and God heals the man instantly, and that whole village decides to follow the Lord. The next village over, they hear about it, and they said, we have a madman in our village. Would you come to our village? For 15 years, this man has not had a bath. He has not cut his hair. He has not changed his clothes. Absolute madman. We don't have insane asylums in Laos. They just, just roam. And so, so he goes to the village and prays for him, and God immediately restores his mind. He goes out. He helps him get a bath, cuts his hair, and now he's a part of the church there. And we have a church in that village. Just in that small area, through that one little man who's never been to school in his life over 250 people now just in the last year have accepted the Lord and taken baptism in villages throughout that area now they have over 700 people in that area who come every week to hear the word of God God is doing some great things now these young guys that live with us uh, I let them at least once a week just share hey hey what's on your heart and one of them, a few months ago, read this to me. You know, it's one of those things that I know I've read it before because I've read the Bible for you, uh, through a few times, but it just never hit me like this. Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 15. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 15. It says this, And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose 
again. Wow, that's pretty powerful, isn't it? He died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. So why did Jesus die? You know, a lot of times we think Jesus died so that I could be happy. Jesus died so that I could have a better life. Jesus died so that I could have more stuff. What does all of that have in common? I. That, that's the common theme of that. My happiness, my things, my life. Jesus did not die so that I could have more. Jesus died so that I could have less. Jesus died so that I would stop living for me. You see, most of the problems we have today are caused by one thing, living for ourselves. Jesus said this. He said, whoever tries to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What we do is this. The more we try to seek our own happiness, the more we try to have more things, the more we seek after life, the less we have of it. The most depressed people in the world are people who want to be happy all the time. Have you ever noticed that? Their whole life is lived, man, I want to have this thing, I want to have that thing, I want to be happy. And the more they search for it, the less they have of it. But you know, I've noticed, like my friends in India and my friends in Laos, the happiest people in the world, the people with the most joy, are the people who have died to themselves and said, I'm not going to live for what I want. I'm going to decide to live for Jesus. And in living for Jesus, all of those things you died to, all of a sudden you get those things. You know, what the world really wants is hope. It's joy. It's peace. It's things that money can't buy. How many of you believe your neighbors want those things. But you know what? Some of the most depressed people I know are the richest people I know. How many of you know that? Why? Because money and things cannot buy you happiness. By pursuing happiness, you will never find it. By pursuing after things, you will never find what you really want. But when you determine, you know what? I'm going to stop living for what I want. I'm going to stop doing everything every day for what I want. And I'm going to decide, I'm just going to live for Jesus. I can tell you, I have a great life. I have joy. I have peace. It is exciting to follow after Jesus. There's an excitement in waking up every day and knowing that God has a plan for your life. You know, God spoke one day to the prophet Jeremiah, and he said this in Jeremiah chapter 29. He said, I know the thoughts that I think about you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. God's desire is to give you joy. God's desire is to give you hope. God's desire is to give you peace. God wants to give you the things you really want, but you will never get those things by living for yourself. That's why Jesus died on the cross. He died on the cross so that you would stop living for yourself. Isn't that what he said? Why did he do that? Because he loves you so much that he sees the thing that's destroying you. You know, we love to blame everything on the devil. I, I really feel sorry for the devil sometimes. You know, the devil just gets blamed for everything. 
You know, I can go out and, and I can drink all night long and have an accident, but it wasn't my fault the devil did it. <laughs> and the devil's trying to kill me. It wasn't the devil pouring that down your throat. That was you. <laughs> you were killing you. It wasn't the devil that ran around on your wife. That was you. It wasn't the devil spending all that money that you never really had in the bank. And now you have financial difficulties. That wasn't the devil. Do you know who that was? That was you. That was me. We are the ones destroying our life. And that's why Jesus died on the cross. Because he knows we are our own worst enemies. How many of you believe that? We often stand in the way of what we want. And Jesus died so that we could die to that and just say, you know what? I'm not going to live for me anymore because living for me is what got me into this place. The reason I'm depressed is I've been living for me. The reason that I don't have joy is that I've been living for me. The reason that I don't have is that I've been living for myself. You know, I have had the uh, uh, privilege of being surrounded by people who live out this verse. You know, the young man who uh, shared this uh, a few mornings, you know, uh, one morning about two months ago, he got up in the morning and, and it was, you know, during our devotions and he got and shared this verse and he said, you know, and God's just been speaking to me about living for him more. Now, that's a young man that uh, he's been to the police station multiple times. He's been in prison. He has, uh, has, has faced death threats. And he's telling me, I- I'm just praying the Lord would help me to stop living for myself. <laughs> It's challenging when you're surrounded by people like that. You know, we had a time a few years ago in India, Sonam, the guy I was telling you about. After the Lord spoke to him and and he felt like, I need to leave everything and follow, we both went out and uh, we had never really done this before, but we just both went out and bought ourselves backpacks and bought ourselves a pair of shoes and we just started walking through the mountains. And we would just go from place to place and we would just preach. And uh, in the area he lives is high up in the Himalayan mountains. And and, and we would go out sometimes for two or three weeks and every day you come to a village and you preach in the village and then go to the next village. And God started just doing some miraculous things and uh, and, and we saw some of the most incredible things I've ever seen. I, I saw people, literally, I saw people that were on their deathbed, and I, I saw them that, that God touched them, and they, and they had life again. I just saw just amazing things that God was doing. But, the, uh, you know, there were people there that didn't like it. Whenever God starts to do something, there's always a group of people who don't like it. I don't like to call those people my enemies because they're actually good friends of mine. You know, my enemies are the people that try to stop me from praying, are the people that stop me from reading the Bible. My enemies are the people that hinder me from following God. I can tell you these people, they help me to follow God. Because when a man tells you he wants to burn you alive, you pray. So you have to say, man, he's my good friend. He helped me to pray today. (laughs) I mean, when a man tells you I'm coming to burn your house down, you start reading the Bible. So I can say, hey, thanks, friend. You know, my enemies are the people that pat me on the back and say, oh, you've done enough. Just relax. Enjoy life. That's who my enemies are, the people who try to distract me from following the Lord. But these guys are my friends. 
And so we started just seeing some great things. I mean, God is, is doing some great things, and people are coming to the Lord. We have some Muslim guys from this area who've come to the Lord, and, and Buddhist men are coming to the Lord, and monks are coming to the Lord. God is doing some great things. So one day, two of these guys, two of our brand-new converts, one of his names was Gulger, and the other one, he had such a ridiculously hard name, we call him James. I'll just leave that with you, James. You can never say, I can't say his name to this day. We call him James. And so James and Gulger, they're out one day. They've just been saved a few months and everyone who comes to the Lord we tell them the same thing if you're going to follow Jesus the first thing you do is deny yourself take up your cross and follow Jesus life's not going to be easy you may lose your job you may lose your family you may lose your life count the cost if you want to follow Jesus it's not going to be easy so from the time they came to the Lord this is all they've heard and they just think this is what every Christian hears and this is how every Christian lives and so they're walking out on the street one day the two of them and this mob it's about 11 o'clock at night and a mob surrounds them on the street and starts to threaten them and you know that you guys have turned from your religion and 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 we're going to kill you tonight and as they're threatening them the thought I guess comes to some of these guys who like I said they're my good friends and they said we know Joe Gordon's in town we know he's in that hotel over there see we want you to go and get him right now and bring him out here and if he's brave enough to come out we will burn him alive on this street right now now Gulger is uh he just doesn't know anymore. Just a young guy. At this time, he was only about 20 years old. Just a young guy. And so, so Gulger, you know, he kind of just, just gets up and he says, well, I want you to know he's not afraid of you. You wait right here and I'm going to go get him about five minutes from now. Just wait right here. I'm going to bring him right here. Don't move. We're coming back. We're not afraid of you. And so he comes running and he grabs me and says, come on, get your clothes on. You know, it's 11 o'clock at night. Come on, get out. We got to go. We're going to meet these guys. They want to hear you preach. And I said, well, it's 11 o'clock at night what do you mean they want to hear me preach oh just come on hurry get your clothes on I said well what do they want to hear me preach about they said well they heard you're here and they said you're afraid and they said they're going to burn you alive if you come out come on let's go with me now I grew up in America we don't do stuff like that and, you know, but these guys, all they know is Jesus and just live for the Lord. And so I say, well, wait a minute. Let's pray a minute at least. Let me pray a minute. And so, so we pray. And, and I prayed, you know, usually I don't pray a long, long time. But that time I prayed a long, long time. You know, it makes you pray. Again, my friends have helped me to pray. And by the time I come back, you know, they had left. I don't know if it was good prayer or good timing, but they were gone and I'm still alive. And so after this, I mean, it was just, it was awful. They uh, threatened to uh, burn our house down, and uh, we told the police about it, and the police said, well, sounds like you need to leave your house. They're going to burn it down. So that was the police advice, and so we knew we weren't getting any help, and so finally the day came that they were going to burn the house down, and the landlord that we were renting from said, they're going to do it. I know. They just went to the store and, uh, and, and bought you know all the things they need to blow your house up, so it's gone, and I'm not going to have them blow my house up, so you got to get out. So they threw us out of the house, and so they didn't burn it down, but we got thrown out, and so we went through a very difficult time for about three months it, it looked like all the ministry we saw start was just gonna fold they uh, literally it was the only time in my life that I've ever been really really famous they made uh, posters of me and Sonam and they put them all over town and in every village and said, these guys are dangerous. Don't allow them in your village. They're, they're talking about bad things. Keep them away from your children. I mean, and it was like I would walk down the street. I felt like a rock star, you know. I mean, it's like, whoa, this is cool. Look at that. My poster's over there. You know, I mean, you know, that's, you, ever, you got to take what you can get in life. 
And so this is pretty exciting stuff. And they're, you know, threatening us. And they literally, they took pictures of my uh, license plate and gave it at every check post, police check post in the area. We're right up on the border with Pakistan, heavy military presence. And so they said, don't allow these guys to drive through. So they basically just shut us out. We can't go anywhere. So we're sitting around one day. I'm at Sonam's house, and we're sitting around. It's me and Sonam and Gulzer and James and just one or two other guys. And we're sitting around and praying. And while we're praying, Sonam just gets so excited. And he said, I've got it. I know what God wants us to do. I said, okay, what does God want us to do? He said, listen, he showed me on a map. He said, there's a road. It goes out the back of where we live. And, uh, and, and if you go a day here, then you can catch another bus up around the top of the mountains. And from there, there's a trail where you can walk. It only takes about 10 days. We can walk down. And those villages where, where you know, we can't get there by car now. We know they want to hear. But we can walk and we can be in the back of those villages preaching before they know what's happening. Now, these are the villages that said, they were going to burn us alive but his great idea is this is how we can get to those villages and all the guys there were like yes that's it that's what God wants us to do and I'm not too sure but I'm supposed to be the leader and I said well okay let's do it and so we get in this these old rickety buses and we go out you know it's about 12 hours we're in a bus we come down and the next day we get in another bus and this bus literally this is no exaggeration there were no doors and no windows it is below zero outside it is a dust bowl and we are riding in this bus and we're up through the mountains about 13 hours we get to the end of the road the next day we we go to sleep that night get up the next day we start walking and we walked every Every day we did the same thing. We would walk up. We'd start off at about ten or 12,000. We would walk up over these passes that were 15,000, 16,000 up through the snow. We would come down the other side. We would get to the bottom. We would set up our tent. We would go to sleep. The next day we'd start off again. We did this nine days in a row just up and over these mountains. And then on the uh, tenth day, you know, we start walking. It's this plain that leads to the village. And that day we're walking. And all I can think in my mind that day was, Lord, I hope they kill us fast. Because going back at this point is, is not an option. <laughs> I mean, I'd rather just die fast than to walk back through those mountains, get back on the bus, and go back home. So I'm just like, Lord, if they're going to kill us, I hope they do as fast. No torture. Don't, don't let them torture. Just let's die fast. And so we walk up, and finally we come to where you can see this village across the way. And so me and Sonam sit there, and we're looking at the village. We got there before the other guys. And, and we sit there, and there's this valley in between us and the other village. And so we're sitting there, and we look at the village, and so we said, okay, well, is, are we going to do this? He says, yep, we're going to do it. And I said, well, okay, let's pray. And so we start praying, and as we're praying, it was just like one of those moments that as we're praying, this massive flock of pigeons comes flying down the valley, and it came so close to our head, you could just hear the swoosh, like, Phew, and you could feel the breeze of these pigeons. And they fly down through the valley, and they come and they circle around and then they land in the highest house in the village, the tallest house in the village. They just land there. And Sonam sees that. I mean, all these, you know, all of my Asian friends are very spiritual people. And so he sees this and he says, the Lord has gone before us. Let's go preach in the village. And I said, them's pigeons, not doves. And the Bible doesn't say anything about pigeons. 
But he was convinced, you know, that this is God. Let's go preach in the village. And I said, okay, well, let's do it. And so we stand up. And while we were, had been sitting there, we sat there for about 30 minutes. There was a guy that was riding on a yak, and all day long he was slowly catching up with us. You can see there's, there, this is above the tree line. There's no trees you can just see for miles in the distance. And so finally, this uh, guy on the yak catches up close enough to shout at us. We stop. And he comes up to where we're at, and it's me and Solom standing there. And he comes up, and he looks very closely into our faces. And then he backs off. He said, I know who you guys are. You're pitchers in our village. <laughs> he said, you're the guys that uh, everybody's been threatening to kill. He said, I'm the head man of this village. He said, and uh, I want you to know I'm so glad you've come here. He said, uh, when we sent out those threats from our villages... He said, from that day until this day, everything has gone wrong. He said, we have had, our crops have all failed. We have had sickness in our villages. We have had so many problems. He said, and we just had a meeting this week, and we were talking about what do we need to do to get out of these problems. And said, we decided it was probably because we offended your God. And so we talked this week, and we decided we were going to try to find out how to call you to come back to our village. We are so glad you've come to the village. And so we walk in the village together, and we are like conquering heroes coming in the village. And they're so excited. And we sit down with them, and we share the gospel with them. And when we were finished sharing with them, one of the leaders of the village stood up and said, We want you to know, all of the people here to know, that from now on, Jesus Christ is welcome in our village. If you want to follow him, everyone has permission to follow Jesus in our village. And it's from that area in that area now that 13 Buddhist monks have left the monastery and are now serving the Lord. Uh, many of them right now are in Bible school preparing to go back and preach the gospel. And that's what happens when you remember that Jesus died so that I would stop living for me. And you know, it, it hasn't all been easy since then. Uh, one of those monks was uh, was killed recently. Uh, we had uh, such persecution a year ago. One of them was uh, beaten so badly that he had to be life-flighted out of the area. He was beaten by the uh, Buddhist Association. So when they say that they're ready to kill people, they're uh, fully capable and willing to do it, and there's no one to stop them. But what's interesting is last year we had uh, two of our pastors were were captured and beaten it was actually on YouTube for a while. We had to have it pulled off. They put a viral video up of this, of them beating these men and threatening their wives. And it was up on the Internet for a while. They, they put hoods over their head and beat them with their wives tied up in front of them, watching them and threatening them. If you don't leave this valley, we're going to kill you and we will kill your wife. And uh, what's amazing is during that time, at that time there was about seven of these former monks who were out studying in Bible school. And every one of them called and said, uh, we're going back to the valley today. We've heard our brothers are being threatened and beaten, and we're going back. And we were saying, no, you know, you're studying. You need to prepare yourself. Your time will come. Just prepare yourself. They said, no, we can't stay here and enjoy life while our brothers are suffering for the gospel. We have to join them. That kind of mentality that it's a privilege to serve the Lord. The Lord changed our life. 
And we are not going to live for ourselves. We're going to live for Jesus. I want to tell you, being surrounded by people like that on a daily basis starts to change your life. You know, when I was 20 years old, I was an alcoholic. And Jesus Christ changed my life. It's been 23 years now that I have walked with God and I've seen His grace and I've seen His mercy. And you know, the greatest challenge that I, I face in life is not coming out of alcohol. It wasn't giving up drugs. It wasn't giving up cigarettes. That's not the greatest challenge. The greatest challenge that I feel, still fight today is giving up me. <laughs> Deciding every day, Lord, I am not going to live for myself. I am going to live for you. I'm going to give every part of my life to make you glorified in this earth. And I can tell you the best days of my life have been the days that I live for Jesus. And the worst trouble I get into are days that I forget about Jesus and start thinking about me. That's when I get in trouble. How many of you know what I'm talking about today? I want to ask you just where you are. If you would just stand with me today. And I want you to do two things with me. I want you to pray for, uh, for your brothers, your sisters today in India, in Laos, uh, in Laos, the day I left Laos, some of our guys from these village areas were going to the police station, and they asked me, they said, pray for us. The police called us in for questioning today. Would you pray for us? That was just two weeks ago I left Laos. I just left Laos two weeks ago. The day I left, I got the phone call, hey, pray for us. We're getting called into the police station. I got word back that, hey, they're doing okay. They're still living for the Lord. They've just been threatened that, hey, if you don't stop serving the Lord, you're probably going to lose. We're going to take your land and throw you out of the village. But they're okay. They're committed. They've said, it doesn't matter what we lose, we found Jesus. I want you to pray with me for them today. And I want you to pray for our brothers and sisters in India today. You know, I told you my friend called and said they have threats. They're fully capable of doing it. And here's the prayer I want you to pray. I don't want you to pray, Lord, protect them. That may seem strange to you because that's not what they asked me to pray for. They didn't call me and say, please pray for us that we won't get hurt. What they asked me to pray for is, please pray for us that we would be strong. Our only desire in this world is to bring glory to the name of Jesus. Our only desire is that other people, our friends, our neighbors, our nation would find Jesus and Hey, if it takes me suffering, then so be it. I just want my people to find Jesus. So I want you to pray for them. And then I want us to pray for one another that, Lord, you would help us to have that same kind of spirit. The kind of spirit that would say, you know, Lord, hey, I do want my friends, my family to find you. And they're not going to do it if I'm living for me. Lord, help me to die to myself, to live for you. If you want to do that and just pray with me today, I'm going to ask you just to lift both of your hands, and all that says is, I give up, I surrender. And just say to the Lord, Lord, I surrender my life to you. And Lord, I want you to help me today to die to myself. And Lord, I do pray for others today who are hurting today, who are fighting the fight today, who are, they don't have the privilege we do just to come and to worship you without fear and, Lord, we want, you to, we want to pray for them today that they're going to have boldness. Would you do that with me? Let's just lift our hands. Lord, Father, we pray for our friends today, Lord God, our brothers and sisters in India, in Laos today, many of them, Lord God, their faith 
has brought them to the point of death. Their faith has brought them to the point where they may lose everything. They may lose their jobs. They may lose their family. They may very well lose their lives just because they decided to follow you. And, Lord, we are so thankful for men and women whose faith is so secure that they would be willing to say, hey, whatever it takes, we're just going to live for Jesus. And, Lord, we just pray that you would strengthen their faith today. Lord, I just pray that you would help them to live for you in these difficult times. And, and we do pray with them that through their sacrifice, Lord, that, that policemen and government officials and friends and neighbors and leaders of the other religions around them, that their eyes would begin to be open, that they would see, wow, there's something different about these men and women. Use them, Lord God, to bring others to the knowledge of who you are. And Lord, we not only pray for them, but we pray for ourselves today. Jesus, I know you died so that I would stop living for me. And Lord, the longer I live for me, there are people who are going to die without you. So Lord, I pray right here in Germantown and Milwaukee and all the communities around us, Lord, that as we die to ourselves and we say, Lord, I'm not going to live for me, I'm going to live for you, that you would just open doors of opportunity for us to be able to share our faith with our friends, with our neighbors, Lord, because we're not living for ourselves anymore. We're just living for you. We're just living for the opportunity to do something for you that you would be glorified. Help us today, Lord God to die to our dreams, to die to our desires, to stop living for ourselves, to stop trying to save our lives. Lord, today we just lose our life in you, Lord. And we just say, Lord, my life is yours. I lose it today. I give up all rights to my life. And I know your desire, Lord God, the thought that you have for me, you're not trying to destroy me. You're trying to give me life. You are trying to give me hope. You're trying to give me joy. And the only way I can receive it is if I will die to myself and live for you. So Lord, today, come and take control. Live in me, live through me. Lord, I pray that you would be glorified. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.